Welcome to Prayer Huddle, a community that seeks to host God, influence lives, and revive hearts. The message you're about to listen to is a word in season to make your spirit soar like that of the eagle. Thank you for listening and stay blessed. Come on, go ahead and chat the of confession tonight. Say, I receive by faith healing for my sight and restoration for my vision. Go ahead and chat it in faith and declare it before the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you all for being part of tonight's meeting. Now we're going to get started. Uh, oh, wow. The Lord has loaded my spirit with the Lord. I'm going to run on this. Mark chapter 8. Let's read Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8 from verse 14. It's a long read. It's one of the longest read for the, tonight, but I want you to um, follow me. Just follow me in the spirit, be in the spirit, pray in tongues as we go along um, in this meeting. Mark 8, verse 14 to 26. Saint Gospel of Mark, the, chapter 8, from verse 14 and 26. Now it reads, they say, now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Just to give a little bit of context to this, um, the Jesus Christ had just addressed the disciples, um, the, the Pharisees, they said they were looking for a sign. If Jesus was really authentically the son of God, he should show them a sign. And he said, no, this sign, they're seeking revelation. And in the, it seems like in, the, in that mild feat of irritation, Jesus just told his disciples, let's get on the boat and go. So they got on the boat and they were going. The Bible says in verse 14, now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Neither had they, had they any in the ship with them than one loaf. And then Jesus charged them saying, so Jesus his mind was still engaged with what was transpiring with the Pharisees, okay? Uh, but the disciples did not get this, and he charged them, he said, take heed and beware of the living of the Pharisees and the living of Herod. And they reasoned amongst themselves. They engaged their mental faculty to try to locate Jesus and understand him. And they began to reason and said to themselves, is it because we have no bread that Jesus is talking about bread? And when Jesus knew it, he said to them, why reason he? Why are you engaging the spiritual matter with your, with your mental reasoning? Why are you reducing it to your mental thinking? He said, why are you reasoning? Because you have no bread. He said, perceive ye not, neither understand ye, or is your heart so darkened, having eyes, yet you cannot see, having ears, yet you cannot hear, and in fact, you do not remember what God has done. When I break the five loaves amongst the thousand, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, twelve. He said, when we, when we bless the seven for 4,000, how many baskets did you gather? They said, seven. So Jesus said, then how is it that you still don't understand the workings of God and, in fact, understand where God is coming from? And it, 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 the Bible says in verse 22, he comments to Bethsaida. He came to Bethsaida 
and bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch the blind man, to heal the blind man. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit in his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And in verse 24, he looked up and, and said, I see men as trees walking. In verse 25, after he had put his hands again on his eyes and made him look up, Okay, take note, it made him look up, it touched him the second time. He restored, he was restored. And the Bible says he saw every man clearly. Amplified version said he saw everything distinctly. Praise the Lord. In verse 26, he sent him, Jesus sent the man away to his house, but he said to him, Don't go into the town. And that is the town of Bethsaida. Not tell it to anyone in that town. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. This is just profound. The light, Jesus is truly, truly more than a prophet. I must say that. is truly, truly more than a prophet. Because everything about his life and ministry, even his teachings, they are deeply prophetic. And it will take the Spirit of God to see some of the things that God, um, through Jesus, was doing on the face of the earth. Praise the Lord. And how it relates to us in this day and age, in how we navigate our lives, in how we set our goals for the new year, in how we pursue target goals that heaven wants us to fulfill to harvest his glory on our lives. You see, there are three cardinal lessons that the Spirit of God was able to extract from this story. Number one, there is a connection between the miracle of the blind man from the city of Bethsaida and the state of the heart of the disciples. So there is some kind of correlation. If you look at that story, it seems like it's, it's two stories that flow into each other. Jesus was on a boat with the disciples. He had made a comment that has to do with the Pharisees. And Jesus was addressing the state of their mind. And he was saying, how come you have eyes you don't see, you have ears you don't hear, you have this thing, your mind is not really functioning the way God wants it to function in light. And the next thing we saw is a blind man was brought to Jesus and Jesus healed him. Now, this healing is not the first that Jesus would do about opening the eyes of the blind. But this healing was very prophetic because it's prophetically linked to what was going on, what God was addressing in the heart of of the disciples and by extension in the heart of the Pharisees that represents the state of the world. So we, we see here that Jesus healed the man, but before he healed the man, he took the man out of the city. Why did he do that? He took him out of Bethsaida. He had to walk him out. It, it's, it's so funny. It seems like this is Jesus, the Messiah, the miracle walker, and Jesus could not do the miracle in Bethsaida. Jesus could not fix the vision of this man. 
he had to change his location. And he took him by the hand out of the city, out of Bethsaida, and spat on his face, make a paste on his eyes, literally an ointment of spit and sand, okay? And immediately, the man, he asked him, he said, what do you see? And the man said, I see men walking. Then he touched him the second time and he said, oh, now I can see clearly for I see things distinctly. I want to pray for us because there's some of you in this meeting, these might be your first touch from Jesus. This might be your first touch from the Lord to bring clarity to your vision. For some of us, it might be the second touch to bring clarity to bring restoration, to make us see things distinctly how the Lord wants us to see it. Praise the Lord. The second thing in this story is Bethsaida, meaning the house of the hunt or the hunted. You know, when I was reading these, I was like, amazing things you see in the Bible. It's so easy to confuse Bethsaida and Bethesda. Bethsaida means in the Hebrew, the house of hunt, the house of the hunted. When we say hunt, something pursues something down. Something preys on something and holds it down. Just look at wild Joe, the night Joe, wildlife, and you see the lion hunt. The first thing the lion does is, is not to eat the prey. It climbs them down. It holds them down. It holds them bound. It, 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 it squashed them. You know, put them in a position where all of their strength, all of their capacity to run, to fly, to escape, to pursue is, is surrendered under its own power. The house of hunt. But the Bethesda actually means the house of kindness. It means the house of mercy. So I was studying the scripture and the Lord was opening my eyes and saying, look, when I healed the, the paralytic by the pool of Bethesda, the house of mercy in John chapter five, you know, that's a whole different setting. It's a whole different prophetic setting. But here, Jesus could not heal in Bethsaida because Bethsaida actually means the house of hunt. And the Lord had to remove him from there. There are visions that for them to be healed or to experience the restorative power of the Lord, they need to be removed from their bedsider. Whatever that bedsider might be, they need to be removed from there. In fact, in Matthew 11 verse 21, we saw scripturally that God actually, Jesus cursed Bethsaida, the Bible says he said there in Matthew 11, turn with me to Matthew 11, verse 22, it says there in, to Bethsaida, I was saying something there prophetically, he said, Matthew 11, verse 21, woe unto you, Chorazin, woe unto you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works were done in you, which had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. So we see here that Bethsaida talks about a place where you can be where faith cannot work. 
Bethsaida talks about where God's mighty works are not welcome. They are not invited. They cannot happen in your life until there is a switch and change in position. Number three, from this story of Jesus, we see a prophetic demonstration of something that we all need divine touch at every point of our lives and in fact again and again to restore clarity accuracy and precision and to give dimensions to our vision the bible says in jeremiah 1 verse 12 god asked jeremiah and i believe that there are people on this call tonight that god is asking me and you what do you see what do you see for the future what do you see? It says in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 12, and the Lord said to me, from verse, from verse 11, I'm sorry, he said, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And he said, I see a rod of an almond tree. And the Lord responded and said, you have seen well, you have seen correctly for i will hasten my word to perform it our seeing is very important to what god will be doing in our lives how we see it's really crucial is really critical and germane for us to see the performance of god's word in our lives you know, God began to teach me things and show me things in the spirit and say, I'm leading you through an uncharted territory in the ministry. From a territory you are used to going. And the Lord began to say, you're going to do, you're going to enter a phase where you will do things you have never done. You've not seen somebody do it before. You're going to be literally moving in that direction. And the Lord began to lead me in the online virtual ministry. And down the road, the Lord said, now that you've obeyed, you're doing this, I will show you a little further the things that are planned. And God began to show things two years ahead, five years ahead, 10 years ahead. And one of the things I saw, and the Lord said, even in this stream that is flowing, as you're in it, is going to open up and become a mighty stream that will get to the nations of the world. And I saw where the mighty stream broke up into head and began to reach the nations of the world. It was a media hub. And the Lord said, you see that? I will bring that to pass. But you see, in my mind, I'm like, how is that going to be? How, how would that happen? How would that happen? We don't even have a congregation in one place. We don't even have an in-meeting. And you see, at times when you keep your eyes on those limitations, you begin to see as they see in Bethsaida. You begin to see and calculate things using human permutations. There are, God has to remove you from that time zone and bring you to a time zone of faith where you can begin to see things how he is seeing it and the things and see things how he wants it to be done. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And the Lord said, when you begin to see accurately, then you will see the performance of the things that have spoken concerning you. I want to pray 
by if it is your vision, if it is your sight that is, is needs to be healed, needs to be restored, that is standing in the way of what God is set to do. I am praying from this meeting, the scales will fall off. I say the scales will fall off, the veils will be removed. You see, there's just something about clarity. There's something about vision. A man's vision is his life. How a man see is, is his access into all that God has planned and ordained for him. What a woman can see about herself, about her home, about her marriage, regardless of age, regardless of delay, regardless of the environment, regardless of even what statistics is saying. Oh, the statistics is showing that this, uh, that how are you seeing? God is saying, come out of the cider so that I can heal and restore sight to you and you can see things with clarity of mind and see it with revelation how God wants us to see it. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. I say somebody shout hallelujah oh my god i feel some anointing here you see you, you need to understand that in genesis chapter 13 genesis 13 verse 14 to 17 oh lord help me with time today genesis 13 14 to 15 god began to make some bold statements to abraham god said to abraham in verse 14 and the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot was separated from him, he said, lift up now your eyes. I want, can we, can we all in this meeting carry out a prophetic exercise? And that prophetic exercise is lift up your eyes. That means look above this situation. Look above what is going on now. I wish you can receive my receive my sharing. The word that is coming out of my heart and my mouth today as the words from the mouth of the Lord saying, look up, look from where you are, look from your region, look from your location. I've heard people say, How, what, what good thing can come out from this, my Nazareth? God is saying, look above it. He said, look up from where you are, lift your eyes from the place where you are and God said, look northward, look southward, look eastward and westward. He said, for the land which you see, there is power in sin. We've got to see it. We've got to see it. We've got people, you've got to see it. Elijah told Elijah, if you see me when I'm being lifted or what you ask will be done for you. You've got to see it. The power to see it. The capacity to see it. I pray that the Lord will release it today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Woo! He said, yeah, he said, for the land all which you see, he said, I will give it to you and I will give it to your seed. And he said, I will make your seed as the dust of the earth so that if a man is able to number the dust of the earth, you know, the dust in Genesis 2, 7 speak prophetically of how God made man. So God was just speaking to the mode of how he created human species. He says here, he said, he said, then your seed shall be able, shall be numbered. But in verse 17, look at what he said. He said, arise, walk through the land, in the length of it, in the breadth of it, for I will give it to you. Now, let me say this. You see, when we talk about vision, if you stand on a cliff, let's say you stand on, um, um, I don't know if any of you have seen, um, um, where, where is this? 
I want to remember where, where is if I mean where is this place in uh, Arizona that um, I'm trying to remember now. One Grand of those Canyon. one good Grand Canyon. Now, if you stand on any point on Grand Canyon, right, and you're looking at the Grand Canyon, it literally looks like a painting. I've not been there. My wife took pictures and showed me. It looks literally like a painting. Like you wonder and said, what a marvelous act of God is this? Amen. Now, if you stare at that Grand Canyon from any position, what you're seeing is infinite. Are you feeling me? When it comes to vision, vision is actually infinite. If nothing stands in the way of your vision, if nothing stands in before you or block or, or clouds, be clouds your sight, what you are capable of seeing with the sight and with the power of light is infinite. Okay, and, and that is how vision can be in our lives. But God began to tell Abraham, let me help you. If me telling you that your children will multiply and be like the dust of the earth and nobody can count the seed and you cannot catch, he said, you can't catch that. The Lord now said to him, put dimensions to your vision. He said, begin to walk the length and the breadth of it. And I think that is one thing God wants us to do this year, because that is how we show that indeed we're walking by faith. We're not walking by sight. When we begin to pursue that vision, because a lot of us keep talking, oh, I want to do this. Oh, I want to do that. Oh, God is leading me to start that. God is leading, you know, and if you don't put dimensions to it, and then the vision will continue to be far in the distant future. It continues to be infinite what you can see. But the moment you get up and begin to put measurable steps, because each step is measured, each step has a dimension. And God said, walk the length and breadth of the vision. Amen. You see it begin to happen. And I want to thank God for your life. So a lot of you, since this year started, right after our blaze, it just seemed like there was an open heaven of revelations and abundant vision. The Bible said there's a spirit in man, the breath of God, give them understanding. A lot of you have just been coming to me and saying, this is what God is saying we should do. In fact, I can say, joyfully and gladfully after a blaze there were businesses that were born people started companies people start there were a lot of startups and a lot of them were just saying oh, man of god we just want to share the agree with us we just want to share you know the vision statement so that you can agree with us amen you've got to put dimensions to it and that's what my my, my, my wife was reading out from from Habakkuk, when she said, he said, write the vision, make it plain, make it relatable, talk to it, let it talk to you. Amen. Praise the Lord. I've got my pen and I'm writing things that God will be doing with prayer huddle, things that we're going to be seeing. The next dimension, God has given us one out of three annual programs that he wants us to host. One of them is Ablaze. We have started that. The next one is a prophetic worship concert. The Lord said we're going to be doing that and host people in Atlanta. That is putting the vision out. Write it down. And then the third one, you know, like that, just write it down. Make it plain. Praise the Lord. 
The same thing as you do that, you start understanding, you begin to understand pacing with God. You know, you begin to understand timing with God. You begin to understand his calendar. Because at times, a lot of us are just seeing infinitely. We want it now. We want it happen. Hey, praise the Lord. And we, we forget that God wants you to measure your steps in the vision. I want us to pray one prayer before I move to the next phase of this teaching, which is the domain where we need healing and restoration for our sight. Which area of our, our, our constitution that we need healing, you know, we need restoration. But we're going to pray in tongues. I want you to unmute yourself. We're going to pray one prayer. And the prayer you're going to pray is, Lord Every scale, every scale and covering, every veil, every covering cast that's been on my in my life from 2022, 2021, let it fall off by fire. Let the spirit of God. <laughs> First is we want to look at the domain where we need healing, areas of our work where we need healing. And secondly, how do we see the way God wants us to see? Like seeing, I call it seeing through God's eyes. Praise the Lord. Seeing through God's eyes, seeing through the lens of the Almighty. Praise the Lord. Now, we need to understand that man is made up of three composite parts. And so is our vision, our ability to see. We are spirit, soul, and body. The Bible says in 3 John verse 2, it says, I wish, beloved, I wish above all things that you, which is your spirit, prosper and be in health, okay? That means your body be in health even as your soul prospers. So even the Bible talks about these three dimensions of the composite man. I call it the three dimensions of the composite man. But when we come to walking with God, there are two ways you can walk with God. You can walk either by faith or the sight of the spirit, or you can walk by physical senses or by sight, what we call by sight. Amen. So turn with me to Romans 8, verse 6, real quick. Romans 8, verse number 6. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. Romans 8, verse 6. It says, for to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. For so many years, I try to understand what is this scripture about? And if you look at it, it kept saying minded, mind. You see, carnally mind, minded, carnally minded. He said the outcome is death, but spiritually minded is life and rest and peace of mind. And just to give us a little bit of clarity here, I want to explain some concepts quickly. Number one, we have the sensory sight. So the sensory sight is 
what we used to see the physical and the material world. For example, in the Bible, when the servant of Elijah looked around the mountains, right? And he saw the Syrian army everywhere. The Syrian army were physical to him. And he was afraid because that is what he saw. He was looking by his physical eyes and he saw armies armed with weapons to arrest one man, his master, the prophet. That is physical access to what is going on. Like when you watch the news, you see what's happening at work and all of that. You hear of the layoffs, you see of economic downturns. Those are things that you can actually see. But there is what we call the mind sight. The mind sight is closely related to the sensory side because they function almost together. But the mind side is it's a little more complex. The mind side is sensual. The mind side is the center of imagination. The mind side is where is the dashboard of creativity. The mind side is where you talk about the cerebral IQ, you talk about emotions, you talk about intelligence, you talk about feelings, all of those things, it, it, it's, it's on the digital base or dashboard of the mind. But there is another level of sight which operates by the spirit. And this is where those of us who are children of God need to understand that God wants to de deal with us primarily and lead our lives and cause us to live our lives, amen, through the sight of the spirit. And what is the sight of the spirit? It's the eyes of the inner man, according to scriptures. It functions by light from the Holy Spirit. It functions by illumination, what we call revelation. Proverbs 20, verse 27, it says, the spirit of man, the heart of man, is God's candlelight that shines and, and searches the inward part, that illuminates the inward part, the deep things within the man. In, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to 19, it is the center of discernment. It is the, it is the center of discernment, the eyes, the spiritual sight, is where we are, we gain awareness of God. We gain awareness of the things of the spirit. We gain awareness of his purpose. We can see what he wants for us. Divine wisdom comes through the spiritual sight, insight of the spirit. According to Job, he says, there's a spirit in man, the breath of God gives them understanding. In Job 33, verse 2, verse 4, he said, the spirit of God has made me the breath. His breath has given me life. It has propelled me. So there's, there's a vision that operates by the spiritual sight. And this is important because where we are going, how when we're talking about how God wants us to see, God wants us to see by this sight of the spirit. When I was going to marry my wife, amen, there was a physical sight by which I saw her. But when we got married, I, you know, what, what started happening is God began to open the eyes of my mind, the eyes of my spirit to see her for who she is. 
who God has ordained her to be in my life. To see her role, to see where God has brought her into my life, the purpose why she's there. Is that when Paul was saying, I am seeking to understand, to grasp the reason why I'm apprehended in Christ. Why I've been apprehended. Why have I been saved? Why am I in this marriage? Why am I, who am I? Why am I, you know, why, why am I the way I am? There is a sight from the Lord, from the spirit, that if you can tap into or your eyes can be opened, that eyes can be opened, you begin to see things from the lens of the almighty God. Hallelujah. And when we're talking about healing, we're talking about a cost correction. We're talking about a shift. You're still going to use your physical eyes, right? You're still going to use your mental eyes, right? That's how we learn. But you now shift the base of decision, not based on the things you see, not based on the mind, okay? You now shift the, the, the button or the mantle of decision making, you, you, switch, you switch it, you know, to the, to, to the spiritual side, like, God, what are you showing me? What, are you, what am I saying? To give clarity to this, I'm going to take us deeper. When the Bible says, you know, don't, don't, if, you, if you see carnally, like if you, you are carnally minded, how you see things, Amen. For example, when some people are looking at, how, how do you see what's going on in prayer huddle? Some would like, oh, it's just gathering of people. Oh, it's just all about ministry. Oh, it's maybe all about even the money. Oh, maybe it's just all about, you know, this. But the person with the eyes of the spirit will be seen beyond this, that there are deep things that God is doing. The word of God is being published. The word of God is healing. The word of God is reviving. The Lord, word of the Lord is raising an army in this end time. The word of the Lord is opening doors and gates for the callings and the fulfillment of people's ministry. God is doing things even beyond church walls. The eyes of the spirit, we see that. Now quickly, because of time, I'm going to round up on this. Number one, how does God want us to look through his eyes? One, God wants us to see ourselves as he sees us. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 16, Paul said, now we know no man according to the flesh. That means we're not going to judge any man or know anybody according to the flesh. And I just gave an example of me having to come to terms with seeing my wife with the eyes of the spirit, not with the physical eyes, because the physical eyes, you will see, you might, you see, and just as you see beauty, you see brilliance, you might see weaknesses, you might see shortcomings, okay? But with the eyes of the spirit, you are seeing who God has packaged for you to fulfill your destiny. In Romans chapter 5, verse 5, the Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. How does God want us to see ourselves? God wants us to see ourselves as the object of his love, the object of his grace. Number two, when we begin to look through God's eyes and our vision is restored and there's a cost correction in our sight, what happens is we see other people how God sees them. We begin to see people in our lives how God, exactly how God sees them. You see, when this man was healed, the Bible says he saw distinctly. Initially, he said, I saw men like trees walking. 
And a lot of people who are seeing people in their lives as men, they're seeing them like men, but like trees. Amen. Just imagine. He said, but after there was a restoration of full vision, praise the Lord, spiritual 2020, he began to see people for who they are. That child that you might think is going through struggle and learning, and that child, that might just be the next next judge of the federal of, of, of the United States that might be the next president that might you don't know who that child will be and until we begin to see with the eyes of God how God wants us to see things in fact in Acts chapter 9 Acts chapter 9 verse 4 11 to 15 that's a story about Paul I'm going to close with that you see Paul began to meet out persecution against the church of God Paul saw himself as a weapon of mass destruction against this sect called Christians who were trying to derail from the teachings of the law of Moses. As far as he was concerned, Paul, or Saul then, saw himself as a servant of God. In fact, he said, in my zeal, I persecuted the church of God in ignorance. He was doing it because in his mind, I am fighting for God. I'm protecting God. But you will read in Acts chapter 4, verse 11, when he encountered the light of God, the light that restores vision, the light that shines in darkness and darkness comprehended. I want to pray for you today. Every child of God, where you're yet to be born again, you're yet to know God, you will no longer walk in darkness in your life. You no longer walk with a darkened veil. You see, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever walks in me has the light of life. When Paul encountered the light of life, what did he say? He said, Lord, what shall, I, what shall I do for you? Jesus didn't say much. He said, go to one house or straight. You will be told what you will do. But when Jesus began to converse with Ananias in Acts 9, Acts chapter 9, 4, 11 to 15, Jesus began to tell Ananias, I, I love what he said. When Ananias was saying things he knew by his own mental calculation, he was telling Jesus, are you sure about Saul? Because I have heard how these guys are, this guy has persecuted the church of God. In verse 15, Jesus said to him, Go your way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles, the kings, and the children of Israel. And Jesus said, For I will show him how much great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Can you see that revelation? restoration of sight came to the life of Saul and by extension to the life, to the perspective of Ananias. And thirdly, when, we be, when, when, when our sight and vision is restored, how we see things, this is what happens. We begin to see things in our lives the way God himself sees them. We'll see things the way God sees them. If, if God said this is laziness, this is unbelief, this is fear, this is bitterness, this is malice, if God said this is pride, if God said this is immorality, and God is saying this is defilement, this will define your destiny, you begin to see things the way God sees them. That is one thing that transformed the life of David. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If I may, you have your hands up.
Right. Oh, you were not saying of something. All right. Now, you begin to see things the way God sees them. Praise the Lord Jesus. How God sees them. There are a lot of you that you've harbored some things in your life, and it, it, it might be self-esteem. And you rationalize it. You like, you give it reason. You, you use it to talk to yourself. You, you use it as the mirror to look at yourself. And you need to see those things how God sees them. God sees it as unbelief. God sees, God sees it as hardness of heart. And that was the problem he had with Bethsaida. He said, if I'm going to do great works in, the, in this man's life, I have to take him out. And guess what? When Jesus healed him, Jesus told the man, don't go back to Bethsaida. He said, go to your house, but don't go back to that city. I want to pray for some of us tonight. We're going to pray and we're going to close. I want to pray that something will happen. This word will bring a, a shift in your perspective. It will bring a shift in your life. You know, I was, I remember some time ago, you know, as very, very young Christians and we were in this group of brothers and we we're all talking about struggling with masturbation. And somebody was saying, um, how do we even know it's a sin? How do we know it's a sin? And there are people like that. They're still arguing. Maybe it's not a sin. Maybe it's just a walk of, it's, you know, it's a walk of the flesh. Yes, it is the walk of the flesh, but it is gratifying yourself in the flesh by the flesh for the flesh. And it's a form of defilement. And look, until we went praying and God showed me a vision. In that vision, I saw a man trying to sleep with another man. I said, terrible. I've, this is not, I'm not talking about what's going on in America now. I said, terrible. And the Lord said, that is exactly what is going on. But people do not know. He said, that's a form of what is going on with masturbation. And that was how we began to pray. See it as God sees it. See the iniquity as God sees it. See the pride. See the ego. See, the, see that thing. Because it continues to stand in the way. Say, oh, that's just me. That's who I am. But that's stubbornness. God says stubbornness is a sin of witchcraft. That's hardness. God says as a sin of witchcraft. He said, oh, but, but that's me. That's me. You got to love me for who I am. Oh, yes, we love you for who you are. But that's not even who you are. Who you are is somebody that God has ordained, has changed, has transformed. And God is saying, until you see that, allow me bring that healing to your sight. I pray that the Lord will bless his word in our hearts. I pray that the enemy will not steal this word from our spiritual walk in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I want us to arise in prayer. We're going to pray just two prayers and we're going to close. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. How many of you are ready to pray? Rise up on your feet. Unmute yourself. Come on, video. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Pray, pray, pray and ask the Lord God Almighty. Restore my sight. Restore my sight. Restore my sight. Restore my 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 
Thank you for listening to this message. We love to stay in touch and to see you at one of our events. You can find out more about us on our website at prayer-huddle.com. Email us at feedback at prayer-huddle.com or on our Instagram at prayer underscore huddle.